He was a kid from the Bay Area with a difficult relationship with his mother. And while most kids could relate to that kind of situation, only one kid was the multi-talented and charismatic son of Afini Shakur, a controversial leader in the Black Panther Party. Episode 5 of the documentary series Dear Mama, the saga of Afini and Tupac Shakur, explores Tupac's last night on Earth, his murder and its aftermath, the passing of Afini, and his legacy. Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club. This is a show for Gen X hip hop fans who want to relive the glory days and reconsider classic and modern hip hop films from a current day perspective. Together, we'll explore some of the larger societal issues raised in these films. If you've seen today's movie before, then you've learned some fascinating trivia you might have missed. If you haven't seen today's movie before, then we'll help you decide whether this film is worth your time. Either way, you'll be a smarter hip hop fan by the end of this episode. The next 30 minutes or so, you get all this and more. We're three old heads who put their old heads together to vibe on these films for you. I'm Dino Wright, podcaster, filmmaker, longtime hip-hop fan. My first proper hip-hop concert was Cypress Hill in 1993 at Rutgers University. I'm JB, 80s and 90s nostalgia junkie, longtime hip-hop fan. And I recently met Professor Griff, the former leader of the S1W security crew for Public Enemy. I'm Boogie, a DJ, longtime hip-hop fan, and I recently saw Sugar Hill Gang and Curtis Blow in two separate concerts. I saw Sugar Hill Gang on July 20th, and I saw Curtis Blow on August 10th. This episode will answer the question, what is Tupac's legacy? Dear Mama, the saga of Afini and Tupac Shakur is a TV documentary series about the complex man we knew as Tupac Shakur and his mother, Afini Shakur, and her influence on his life. It premiered on FX on April 21st, 2023, and is available on Hulu. All right. As we wrap up this series, Dear Mama, Boogie, why don't you kick us off? What did you learn about Tupac from this episode that you didn't know prior to watching it? Yeah, I think a lot of this this episode was things that I had heard at some point. But one thing that um, I didn't realize was that while he was hospitalized in, in Las Vegas, that Jesse Jackson was there on site with his mom, consoling her and making sure that the family was okay. And that they were there when Snoop Dogg arrived. He spoke to both of them, and Snoop was telling about how, you know, he was he was feeling a little uneasy because his last conversations with Pog didn't go, you know, wasn't weren't amicable. So he wasn't even sure if he should be there or how, you know, anyone would react to him being there. And uh, Finney pulled him aside and gave him a, a nice prep talk, and uh, let him told him to go in there and. Uh, you know, speak to him and, and, and speak to him like he normally would and that, you know, he would hear him. So, but that was just that whole scenario just kind of caught me off guard. I said, wait a minute, Jesse Jackson. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, he was part of the team of people like holding vigil, like in his last week as he was trying to hang on to life. Dinah Wright, anything else to add that you learned in this episode? Yeah. 
also the Jesse Jackson part. I don't remember that at all. Um, very interesting. Like, the, how did he know? Like, this was it. I mean, it's pretty serious. What the one thing that was revealed that I didn't really know about was apparently Tupac had dove over Suge to try to protect him during the shooting itself. And so I thought, wow, that's you know, the wherewithal to do that as you've been shot is pretty amazing. And I guess it's a testament to his kind of love for humanity <laughs> that he would be protecting Suge. Yeah. I learned a few things as well. I didn't realize that Tupac was engaged at the time of his death. He had a fiance, Kidada, who, if you guys didn't know, was Quincy Jones' daughter, sister of Rashida Jones. I didn't realize really how – I knew there was – we always joke about how many albums came out posthumously. But they said he left behind 400 songs, like 10 more albums came out after he died. And, and we can get into it, but like he didn't own the masters to his recordings. And then like Afini had sued Death Row Records to get those. And I didn't realize that, I didn't realize how much of an impact Tupac had on Eminem's life. Eminem played like a prominent role in this episode where he was really devastated when Tupac died. Tupac had given him the courage to kind of come out of his shell and just express his emotions because no one had really expressed themselves in, with such grace and such power and strength like Tupac did. And I, and it was amazing to see the footage of like, I actually paused as I'm watching it. I paused the screen. It was a handwritten letter that yeah. Marshall Mathers, AKA Eminem had written to Afeni and I paused, paused it and read it and saying like, you are a queen in every sense of the word. Your son, you know, has meant more than you'll ever know. I was like, balled up with emotion and like he gave me that courage to step out and just say like hey this is who i am you know if you don't like who i am f you this is who i am like i'll express myself and he even drew a hand drawn picture of tupac saying hey i used to draw a lot and here's a picture that you might enjoy of tupac so i was like wow that's really really special moment there so piggyback on your uh, statements on eminem it was kind of funny because he asked him, he's like, so where were you at? Like, where were you at in your career when, when with Tupac? Because like, I was nowhere. I was nowhere. Like, there was no... That was really was funny. <laughs> he said he was just, you know, he was cooking in a restaurant when he got the news. And he's talking about how, you know, he said how devastated he was. He said, like, Pac was the first rapper that, first, like, artist that made him cry. And I was like, wow, that was kind of deep. And he said, you know, they were about the same. They were about the same age, and, and yeah, and he kind of related to that. And um, but yeah, I didn't realize that he had such a profound impact on his career, and and getting him to, like you said, give him the courage to to be himself and just kind of step out there. I hadn't, I, I didn't realize that at all. Yeah, and if you flash forward later in the episode where there Afeni fights and kind of gets his recordings back. Uh, within the family, Eminem said that she gave him all the acapella recordings that he had that he can do with, with what he wants, just like preserve his his memory and his artistic style. So that was really cool. Yeah, that's and that that just kind of shows the type of relationship that developed between the two of them because to just give away Tupac's acapellas like that's that's priceless. <laughs> 
Now he's going to go record yeah. more of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's priceless. And you just gave it to him. But I mean, that's it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Is anything in this episode surprising other than kind of some of the things that we spoke about? Yeah. I think one thing that kind of stuck out to me with it, because we kind of, I mean, I kind of had an idea and it kind of hinted at it a little bit in previous episodes when he was talking about how Tupac was setting himself up to start his own label and he wanted to start his own theater company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, okay, there's no way you're going to be able to set all of this up still tied to death row. And then, you know, we get to this episode and they're talking about, he wasn't scared of Suge at all. Like he wasn't scared one bit. They said he was on a, on a phone, just like furious, like foaming at the mouth, you know, yelling about how he was going to blow death row up if he couldn't get, if they wouldn't release him and give him his music. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I, I, that I'd never heard either. It's like, wow. But it is not surprising though, but I just never heard that aspect of it. Yeah. And you come to find out like after Tupac died, Afini didn't found out that he didn't even own his own home in LA or his masters. So yeah. she had a lot of work to do. She ended up moving out to a houseboat in Sausalito, California. This was an interesting tidbit that she said is where, like right across from where Otis Redding recorded sitting on the dock of the bay. So I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. Yeah, but yeah, she put on her armor and went to war. Tupac. <laughs> I mean, he was so beloved that they had to like postpone the funeral service or the memorial service because there wasn't a venue that could hold the amount of people that were expected to come there. So. They ended up having a small private ceremony on Malibu Beach. Yeah. And Shock G, the late Shock G, who this episode was kind of dedicated mm -hmm. to at the end, if you saw from Digital Underground, he spoke fondly of the, the, the service and the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that touched yeah. me about when Shock G was, was speaking, and he was just talking about after Tupac was going, spoke about that calmness that came. She said it just it was like a, a calmness because there was no more pain that Tupac because he he experienced a lot of pain throughout his life, and that's kind of what shaped him into the, to the person he was because he was always trying to go against the grain and just trying to get his point across. But once he was going, it's like there was like a calmness because they knew that that his soul was at rest because he was no longer in pain. And I was, it was very touching the way he, he the way he spoke about that feeling, and I, I mean that that touched me. I, I my eyes watered up a little bit. <laughs> I'm a mushy person. Yeah. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> they had a clip when he was a teenager. It was really profound about his outlook on death and what happens after. And if you remember, he says that at worst it's just quiet. And that's really great. And then at best, you're an angel or some kind of spirit that, that lives on. And there's not a reason to be sad for that for that person that, that died because at, at worst, they're, they just have peace and quiet. It's something about being sad for the crabs left in the bucket. That was really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the whole thing was very profound. I thought it's amazing for someone. I think he was 19 at the, in the age of this clip. To be that world-wise, right. you know, by that time, he's seen a lot, more than most. 
and to have that kind of perspective at that age was really terrific. Really cool clip to include at the end in this last episode. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of the lyrics of his songs, he kind of like refers to death. I mean, the one song that they played towards the beginning, To Live and Die in L.A., mm-hmm. which is so crazy, like, you know, b- both him and then Biggie, the parallels, you know, his album's Ready to Die. And it's like these they deal with these topics, and it's almost like it's prophetic, sound, mm-hmm. sadly prophetic, that these guys flew too close to the sun and you know flamed out yeah because of the tur- turbulence in their lives yeah yeah and we were reminded again of jasmine guy <laughs> from yes. a different world fame like she was such a close <laughs> friend of tupac that if you remember he recovered at her home when he had been shot in new york and she i didn't realize that she had written the book on afini's life yeah, yeah. she she actually authored that book mm-hmm People that don't know, maybe that maybe not have seen this uh, series, would not know that. That was wild. The Mike Tyson footage. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Mike Tyson will always be tied with Tupac because he was shot literally like an hour or so after the fight, the Selden fight, and I remember just seeing like grainy footage, but they kind of slowed it down and showed. Right after the literally right after the fight, you know, Tyson wins and he embraces with Tupac. Tupac's all fired up and charged mm-hmm. up because there's so much like adrenaline running through him. And what it says is that that Orlando Anderson, who was a, a Crips member, uh, gang member, was pointed out who had stolen a medallion from someone else in death row. And, and Tupac was just like on the attack. And he attacked him and there was a melee from the reports. He had gotten in that brawl and then they said he went upstairs changed into a jersey and came back down and then a shooting occurred not long after that yeah but that was interesting to to see that again and sad at the same time yeah one thing that struck out about me about that whole situation too at that point at that point in his life he was known for wearing a bulletproof vest and they said that should kind of talked him out of wearing it Come on, man, you're with us. You don't need that, you know. So he didn't have a vest on. And then, you know, once he went upstairs and changed and put the jersey on, he still didn't put a vest on. And, you know, when he ended up getting shot, unfortunately, it was like he took four shots to the chest. It's like, man, <laughs> a vest might have kept him around. You know, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> If you're a hip hop fan, you know there's all types of theories and conspiracy theories, but nothing was ever right. like proven to a T. I mean, they don't know if that Orlando Anderson was the the one that shot him or not, like after the fact, or one of his other Crips gang members. I mean, obviously with the East Coast West Coast feud, if you look it up, you know there was reports that Puffy Combs and Biggie had like a million dollar bounty on his head. That was a rumor out there. There was no evidence. And I remember Biggie had an alibi that he was like working in the studio, trying to disprove that. So there's just all types of conspiracy theories, and we won't speculate. But you know, they, they showed the footage from what was seen. <laughs> Mike Tyson's such a character. I mean, he talked about when he was raising pigeons yeah. as a kid, and he was he was so little he would get picked on, and, and and 
and he would get kind of attacked and they would attack the pigeons and he just beat up some guy one time and then he, he was applauded and he just fell in love with with violence oh wow i can beat people up and he's mm-hmm. like that changed his life yeah he's like i was like aroused from that and uh, I was like, oh, man, this guy's nuts that's nuts he's so vivid with his words <laughs> yep yeah there's nothing subtle about Mike Tyson ever yeah oh man yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting to hear him and Snoop Dogg talk like many years after the fact it, it could have been one of them that didn't make it to 2023 right, right? so Easily. you can imagine what Tupac might have been like as a wise old man now if he had lived and then made it to here like iron mike did and snoop dog did yeah. you know yeah especially mike tyson he, he's been through so much <laughs> and he's you know some of his own doing there's one thing that surprised me was that that they they were as close as they were i didn't really think about that but yeah they were sort of kindred spirits in a way yeah yeah they were lightning rod personalities yeah um, larger larger than life yeah and even in that, even in their similarities, Mike still said that Tupac was nothing like him. <laughs> you know, he said, "I'm, I'm, I thrive in this. You put me in a prison, I'm going to thrive in that. I thrive in this." He said, "He's like Tupac's not like yeah. that. He's not that kind of a person. He's not that kind of a person." You know, from yeah. the outside, he's like, "Yeah, they're about they're very similar." Here you have, you know, at one point was considered the most dangerous man on the planet, Mike Tyson, knocking people out. In the first round, nah, he wasn't nothing like me. He was, he was, he was, he was a sweetheart, basically. <laughs> yeah, he was a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, Feeney did a nice job to preserve Tupac's legacy. Like that was kind of her life's work after he passed. You saw that she sued Death Row Records. She stopped his memorabilia from being sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that Tupac had spoken about this thug mansion concept, as he put it, yeah. for youngsters to have a, a space to express themselves in the arts. And in Stone Mountain, Georgia, the Tupac Amaru, Amaru Shakur Center for Performing Arts was yeah. was set up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, to this day, he's living legend. In fact, they show I really liked the Hall of Fame induction speech when Tupac was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. He was the first uh, solo rapper to be inducted, and he was on his first year of eligibility, first ballot Hall of Famer, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> but Snoop's words were like really touching and. It talks about like the complexity of the, the dichotomy of Tupac's character. So I'll read the quote he, he mentioned. Snoop Dogg said, while many remember him now as some kind of thugged out superhero, Tupac knew he was only human and he represented through his music like no one before. It's a fact that he never shied away from, he wore it like a badge of honor with an unapologetic rawness. Pac embraced those contradictions that proved we ain't just a character out of someone else's storybook. To be human is to be many things at once, strong and vulnerable, hard-headed and intellectual, courageous and afraid, loving and vengeful, revolutionary, and oh yeah, don't get it, effed up, gangster. (laughs) I was like, man, that was a really like, he painted that picture really nicely. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how Snoop gave the scenario about, um, he said they were, I forgot what he said they were, but he was with a bunch of death row affiliates and, you know, friends and whatever, hanging out. And he said he was arguing with his girlfriend and, well, his then girlfriend now. He said everybody was basically saying, yeah, man, forget about her, man. Man, you stoop dog. You can get somebody else. And he said everybody was saying that. And then Pac comes over to him and said, man, forget what they're talking about. He said, she loves you, and I know that you love her. You need to make her your wife. And Snoop did. And they're still together to this day. They're still together, yeah. Going against the grain. And I thought the Hughes brothers did a great job with this whole series. Absolutely. I love, once again, they brought back the, the song Vincent yes. about mm-hmm. Vincent Van Gogh by Don McLean. And they, mm-hmm. they played that while, while the coroner arrived and then the, the immediate aftermath of Tupac being pronounced dead. And I was like, that was just nicely done because. Very much. Yeah. You know, that's a song that Tupac had chosen for his one class and had written the lyrics down and it, it had meaning to him. Yeah, I agree. They really did a nice job with this. And in this last episode, we really have, we finally have Afini speaking on camera, you know, archival footage too. And it was, that was terrific too. You know, it was, there was kind of a buildup to this that we don't really see her until the end. And you know, she died in 2016. And I go through that too. And that was, I did not really know much about you know that that part. Like I, I thought she might still have been alive, but no, she had passed of a heart attack then. Yeah. yeah, honestly, same for me. I didn't I didn't realize she had died in 2016. And then Glow Gloria, uh, Afini's sister, who was one of the main narrators throughout the entire series. You know, she did a great job. She showed a lot of charisma throughout yes. this, and she was really glad that part of her life's work was to help tell her sister and her nephew's story. She's like. I only had one sister and I had one nephew, and boy, did I yeah. hit the jackpot. But the sad thing is, while there was the calmness with Tupac, as Shakji had mentioned, Glow said that her sister, Feeney, never had peace of mind. She never, like, yeah. she didn't want no, to rest didn't. easy. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking that somewhere in her scrambling around, that's when she actually when she came around the rider to talk. And it was, that was, I mean, I remember she was very charismatic, very profound and poignant. And I remember, I remember seeing. It, I was surprised. I was surprised at how she was able to talk about him and still hold herself together at the same time. You know, because that's that's hard. I mean, it was still fresh. Because I mean, that had, she had to come down. Was it was 97? like ninety. I'm thinking about ninety seven or ninety eight. Yeah, I think yeah, we were still there been, yeah. when that happened. I, I regret not going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought yeah. this up because I would love to hear what that was like. And it was one point I was looking. I was like, it showed, and you see like a like a reddish draped uh, curtain behind. I'm like, wait a minute, is that the student center? I was like, wait a minute, is that it? I was like, no, I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't remember what she wore. I was trying to remember what she wore when she came down because then I would have been able to. But I was, I couldn't remember what she wore at all though. I do. I just remember she just felt regal, and it it was just like a yeah. It was yeah. very calm, and I remember that surprise and shock feeling of how she was able to still just go on pushing, just like how they mentioned how she was suing Death Row and getting his masters and starting up the foundation, and, and she was working hard. That's a lot of strength. I don't know. 
too many people that could do that. <laughs> Especially that soon after his murder. Right. Right. And a murder at that, right. It wasn't like he died of natural causes or so he was murdered. Like it was cut mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, I still regret not going. <laughs> and that'd be neat if anybody has archival footage of that at our alma mater, Ryder University. I don't know if the Student Entertainment Council keeps any recordings, but that would be an interesting project. Even recorded that? Yeah, I mean, it would be one of those big handheld cameras that you could put on a VHS tape. Yeah. yeah I'm thinking, I don't remember if anybody was recording. I don't think so. Cause I don't remember. I don't, yeah. No, I don't think so. Cause I don't remember, I remember. If I remember correctly, she didn't want pictures taken either. Yeah, those are the days before cell phone right. cameras. <laughs> yeah, you can't kind of stop it anymore. Wish I had gone. I, remember, I was sitting, I was sitting in the front. <laughs> you walked in the front Wait, row. Really? Wow, you were you were so close. Because <laughs> usually I'm like usually I'll hang out in the back or because I got to run out and do something. I was like, no, I'm in the front for this one. Yeah. <laughs> As they hold my seat, I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you guys see in this episode, I think it was Dr. Dre was on for a short clip, and he mentioned the 2012 yes. Coachella yeah, concert. The, the and hologram. The, Tupac, <laughs> the hologram came out, and the crowd just went nuts, and they, they couldn't get enough of the Tupac hologram. I remember people were talking about that for months and oh, months yeah. and months, mm-hmm. about the Tupac hologram. Yeah, it almost yeah. broke the internet yeah. the day after it happened. Like the next day, <laughs> it was like, whoa, everything was just like freezing up. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't yeah. scroll like a, 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 you couldn't scroll a second without hearing about it. Yeah. It's, it was crazy looking because like it was it was so realistic looking to me when I think of a hologram I think of like you know lights shining down from the sky and you can kind of see like a transparent image or like 3d image like a holographic sticker but like yeah this really yeah. looked like him yeah, I don't know it was hard to describe yeah and that was 11 mm-hmm. years ago yeah that was pretty interesting technology. Mid Journey was the only uh, figment of our imaginations at the point, right? <laughs> yeah, right. With all the advances generative AI, AI. Had, didn't it hasn't come around by then. <laughs> and one thing that I liked, they showed the filmmakers and the interview subjects hugging at the end. They did a nice little supercut of that near the end of the, the episode, and that was kind of nice. I feel like we're supposed to take away a note of positivity, and that was that was nice to have the community on screen. Yeah. And Glow was getting very emotional at the end, and she's like, I don't like this, I don't like this. But, you know, <laughs> let's stop before I start crying too much. Yeah. <laughs> but man, it comes full circle. Remember the beef that Tupac had? He beat up one of those Hughes brothers. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for them to do the story was kind of ironic, but. Yeah. Time heals wounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all us forgiven. <laughs> yeah, but hip hop heads, you guys got to see this if you haven't already. It's. Very well done. Five episodes. He learned so much about the character of Tupac and Afeni. And how influential he was. I mean, his legacy is in hip-hop all around. And thug mansions. Yeah. I didn't know about these thug mansions. Now I'm going to look and research into these thug mansions. Yeah, but like Afeni said in her speeches, it's like his spirit lives on. You know, you kind of like respect the art that he had put out there and uh, live in his spirit. Yeah.
I do like how during the end credits, as the the lyrics of the song started to fade out, and they blended in that vintage footage of him freestyling, and he just kind of and he stayed yes. on the he stayed on the beat. Yes. I'm like, wow, that was so nice how they did that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that freestyle was acapella, was acapella, mm-hmm. but they it just blended right into the beat. And I was like, wow, that was very well done. It was, yeah, I, I like how they did that. Vintage Park. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, it, his early hip hop had a really strong message about black on black violence, and you know, it's like genocide and very powerful. Mm-hmm. And he had like anecdotes about two different individuals that ended up being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they and they died because yeah. of gun violence. And it was the song at the end. Like I, I never knew that he sampled Mister Mister Broken Wings and that one song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what which song? I forget. Was that which song that one was? Something at the end of time or something. You you got it right, Boogie. That that's the name of the episode yeah. until the end of time. Yeah. So actually, cool thing they did. Hughes Brothers. Every episode of this is named after one of the Tupac songs. This one was called Until the End of Time. Mm-hmm. So many tears was another episode. Changes. Yep. But yep, it's a must see. So make sure you you catch it. Yeah, highly recommend this one. Highly, highly recommend it. Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JB. Boogie and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs review Ladies First, a story of women in hip hop. Drops in two weeks. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast app. You won't miss it. Shout out to you listeners. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't hate, navigate. Navigate. Hey. GPS. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>